Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome again to the live stream of New Covenants services. We're going to celebrate communion at the end of the word today, so I just want to encourage you, maybe go grab, if you haven't had a chance yet, some elements. Uh, and when we say elements, what we mean is get some bread and some juice. It really doesn't matter what it is, uh, but if you gather that together, we're going to celebrate together uh, when we're done with the word this morning, so we want to encourage you to do that. Here, I have a question for you. How many of you have ever met a celebrity? Uh, maybe what you could tell somebody in the room that you're with right now what that was like, what that experience was like, who was that person, what were the circumstances surrounding it, and what did it mean to you to meet that celebrity? I had a chance to meet several uh, celebrities, famous people, uh, kind of in our city and around the world. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to meet the, gov- or, sorry, the mayor of our city, Buffalo, New York. Uh, that was a pretty transformative experience to stand before him and uh, just speak to him and hear what God was doing uh, in our city. I had an opportunity in high school as well to go and have dinner with the governor of New York State, although that one was uh, prematurely removed. I had uh, our family had a skunk incident where a skunk sprayed in our house. And if you've never had a skunk spray in your house, it's incredibly wild and wonderful experience. Everything that you own that has been anywhere near that house is going to smell like skunk for weeks. I remember getting on the bus about three weeks after that experience, and we thought because we had stayed away, because everything was clean, you know, we had showered and washed everything, that we were good. But the minute I got on the bus and encountered other people that weren't from my home, they said right away, what is that smell? It pervaded everything. So I knew in that moment, uh, my bags were packed, I was ready to go meet the governor, and that night the house was sprayed, and there was no way I was going to meet the governor smelling like a skunk. And then I also had a chance when I was in college to meet the President of the United States. And each one of those was uh, a monumental event in my life, Each one of them was kind of cool to be able to meet somebody who was famous. But I want to tell you this. uh, My life was not really changed by meeting these people. Maybe as you're telling the story to the family that you're with right now or the people that are around you about your encounter with a famous person, maybe it did change your life. But chances are that you were not really changed by that encounter. Our lives are transformed as we spend time with people, not as we encounter them once. Now, if you're really like a fanboy or a fangirl of somebody, you might claim the minute after, or the day after, or the weeks after that your life was changed by that celebrity encounter or that encounter with a famous person. But chances are, if you encountered them once but never really walked with them over time, your life was not that radically transformed by the person. The truth is this. Our lives are transformed as we spend time with people. It's true for us. It was true for the followers of Jesus. Many people were transformed by a one-time encounter with Jesus. As we read through the gospel encounters, people's lives were changed as they were healed and delivered and set free. As they were given opportunity to, to follow Jesus, something changed. As, they, as the outcasts, as those who were not regularly allowed to have interaction with people encountered Jesus, something transformed in their lives. But the truth is this. Those transformations were short-lived if they didn't continue to follow Jesus. The most radical transformations in people's lives are the ones where we walk with Jesus on the regular. The most radical transformations in our lives as we walk together with people is as as we have relationship in an ongoing way with the people who are in our lives. Many of us have been transformed by walking with him. If you have walked with Jesus for a time period, my guess is you don't look the same as you did when you first came to Jesus. 
Many of us started that relationship with God in a transformative way. Maybe you were delivered from alcohol. Maybe you were delivered from pride. Maybe you were delivered from yourself. Maybe you were on a path to destruction. And when you encountered Jesus, everything changed. But the truth is this. As we walk with Jesus, our lives ought to become transformed. It's not that one-time encounter that makes all the difference. It's the ongoing encounters with Jesus. What I'm describing here is the concept of deliverance and discipleship. Deliverance is that one-time moment when everything changes. That one-time moment where God invades time and space and your life is transformed. I know people who are alcoholics and in one moment of time, encountering God, everything changed. I know people who struggled with addiction to gambling and in one moment, one encounter with God, everything shifted. I know people who were, who were stuck in their own sin, who were enslaved to relationships because of the things that they had grown up with. They were searching for love in all the wrong places. And in one encounter with the love of Jesus, everything changed in their hearts and in their lives. But here's what I also know. Those deliverance moments are necessary. They're powerful. They're real moments. But unless we also walk with Jesus in discipleship, those moments of deliverance don't necessarily continue in our lives. In fact, I've also seen people who were delivered in the moment from addiction. And they walked free for a time. But because discipleship was not happening in their lives, they didn't continue to walk free. I've seen people who were looking for love in all the wrong places and encounter the love of Jesus in a personal way and are delivered from having to find that in people in inappropriate relationships who did not continue to follow Jesus in that way and found themselves bound later because they didn't continue in discipleship in the same place that they were before that deliverance moment. I've also watched people who didn't have that encounter moment, that deliverance moment. They just started following Jesus. And as they were discipled, as they gave themselves to relationship with God, as they encountered Jesus on a regular, with, in quiet time with Him and through the people of God, their lives were completely changed and they had deliverance through that discipleship see the truth is this we are called to be followers of jesus and encounter with him on a regular basis this morning we're going to look at the end of the gospel of mark and as we do i want us to understand you cannot discount deliverance and you cannot discount discipleship and both of those are based on encounter with jesus let's look at matthew chapter 16 this morning if we will we've been looking at the gospel of matthew and it's a gospel of power it declares the power of God for us. That Jesus came and displayed the power of God, the invasion of the kingdom of God in power. And we see that all throughout the Gospel of Mark. Today we're going to see how the, the Gospel of Jesus Christ comes and transforms not just a demonstration of power through Jesus, but how the demonstration of power comes in and through the people of God. Here's the setup. We discussed this portion of Mark 16 last week. And what we discovered was this, that Mark 16, 9 through 20, those verses are not found in the most ancient manuscripts of the Gospel of Mark. Many scholars believe that this was an, an add-on to the Gospel at a later time. Not very much later, because some of our very earliest manuscripts, besides the earliest, but the very ones that are close in time to that, have this Gospel in it, have these words in it, have this ending, verses 9 through 20 in it. And so if, if we're looking at it, we have to understand, and the note is important, that the earliest manuscripts do not contain this, but we cannot discount what is written here because what is written here is no less gospel. 
Gospel meaning good news. It's no less a declaration of the kingdom of God. Just because it wasn't included in the very earliest manuscripts doesn't mean it's any less true. It's no less true. It's just as true. In fact, it reflects many of the elements that we have in the other Gospels of the accounts of what Jesus did and how he talked with his disciples. And just because it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts does not mean it's any less powerful. It's just as powerful because it contains the words of Jesus for us. So let's read Mark 16. We're going to read 9 through 20, and then we're going to break it down for just a few minutes this morning. Here's what it says. Mark 16, verse 9. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. And they rushed back to tell the others but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together, and he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those that believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Let's pray. God, as we open your word today, as we read through this and we allow it to saturate our hearts and our minds, we pray that we be transformed, not just by the word, but by personal encounter with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your work in our lives today, this morning or whenever we are watching. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to note in this scripture, in this account of what happened to Jesus' followers after his death and resurrection, how unchanged people were by the reports of an empty tomb. It says this, that Mary Magdalene went and reported to the disciples what she had seen. Nobody believed her. That the two followers of Jesus who encountered him on the road to the countryside, and other gospels tell it was Tell us it was the road to Emmaus. When they came back and reported that they had seen Jesus, no one believed them. In fact, the disciples were reclining at the table in this place of unbelief, not believing that Jesus had risen from the dead when he literally appeared to them in bodily form to declare and to determine and to set straight that he had been risen from the dead. See, here's the truth. An empty tomb is powerful, but it is nothing like personal encounter. God has called us to personal encounter, and personal encounter makes all the difference. We're going to look at three things that we can do when it comes to personal encounter that transform who we are. Here's what it is. First is this. Personal encounter is for us to pursue. God calls us to pursue personal encounter. Listen, those who did not believe the reports 
were actually changed by their personal encounter. They went from a place of unbelief about the resurrected Jesus to a place of so much belief in the resurrected Jesus that they were willing to go to their deaths to declare it, to walk in it. They went from a place where they wouldn't believe others who witnessed to them to the place where they were willing to go to their own death to maintain the fact that they had seen the risen Jesus. What changed? What changed was that they had personal encounter with Jesus himself. Now notice, the personal encounter for us is is this. It's for the outcast. Who did Jesus appear to first? He appeared to Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. Here's the thing. If you are outcast this morning, if you feel like you are not worthy of the love of Jesus or a relationship with God, here's the truth. Jesus will come and bring deliverance to your life. And he's going to start with those things that control your life. Personal encounter is for the outcast, for the demon-possessed, for those who are controlled by addiction, who find their lives completely upended and absolutely a mess. Jesus and personal encounter with him will set you free. But he does not want to leave it at that place. He wants to continue to encounter you. And so personal encounter is for those who would be religiously not welcome in many places. Personal encounter with God is for those who have walked in such a way that they're socially outcast. Personal encounter is for those who we would think, or maybe even we ourselves think, don't deserve it. If you're here and watching this this morning, you need to understand that personal encounter, if you feel like an outcast, is for you. Jesus wants to encounter you. Personal encounter is also for the disillusioned follower. The disciples who were on the road to the countryside, if we read in other gospel accounts, they were disillusioned. They were wondering what was happening. In fact, when they encountered Jesus, they didn't recognize him at first. And they said, Don't, you must be the only person who hasn't heard about the things that are happening in Jerusalem. They were wondering about it. They were debating among themselves about what it meant. And so they had heard all these things about the death of Jesus, but they hadn't encountered the resurrected Jesus. And here's the truth. For the disillusioned follower, Jesus has personal encounter planned for you. You might be walking through a time where you feel like you're in a desert place with God. You might be walking through a time where you feel like God is very distant from you. You might be walking through a time where all your plans and purposes for your walk with God don't seem like they're going the way they ought to. Where you don't understand where you're at with God. Or maybe God feels distant. Or maybe He even feels dead to you. Here's the truth. Personal encounter is for you and it will change and transform you. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you, but here's the truth. You may not recognize him at first. God might be knocking on the door of your heart. The Holy Spirit might be moving in such a way that he wants to encounter you in a powerful way, and all he needs is for you to just stop and to acknowledge his presence. Stop and pray. Stop and say, God, what do you want to show me today? He is closer than you think he is. Or maybe you're watching this this morning, and you feel like you are one of his closest disciples. But you're having a hard time. You have followed him. You're still gathered together. You're still worshiping, but you're having a hard time discerning what he's saying. You're having a hard time maybe even believing what other people have encountered. You're watching people around you encounter this risen Jesus personally for himself. And that when they talk about what God is saying to them, when they talk about meeting with him, when they talk about the way they feel on the inside because of what God's doing, you're saying, but what about me? The truth is this. God is has personal encounter with you. Jesus has personal encounter with you. Holy Spirit has personal encounter planned for you. But here's the thing. His encounter is not just about him appearing to us. Personal encounters with Jesus always include his words. Always include him saying something to us. Jesus doesn't very often just appear in visions to people and they see a vision of Jesus without hearing his words. 
And when he speaks to us, what he has to say is very important to us. Encounters include his words because his encounters include words of comfort to us. Sometimes we are walking through our lives and we, we, we're in fear. We're running from God. We're thinking, I'm not sure God is who he says he is. I've, I've lost my place in understanding God's goodness. The first thing that Jesus speaks in encounter with him is comfort. Don't be afraid. But he also speaks this. He speaks words of correction. Personal encounter, many times we avoid it because we don't want to be corrected. I don't know if you've ever been in trouble with maybe a teacher or somebody that you're in a relationship with. We tend to avoid those conflicts. We tend to avoid, pl- avoid places that we think we're going to be corrected. But the truth is this, there's nothing better than hearing the comforting, correcting words of our Lord and Savior. Because if He has something to say to us about something that's not right in our hearts or in our minds or in our lives, it's not to bring exposure, embarrassment, and shame. His words of correction are to bring exposure so that we can have faith and we can walk unashamed because we have heard from our Master. He's speaking to us about who we are and whose we are and what He's called us to. His words, his, these encounters with Jesus always contain his words and they contain his commands. See, God hasn't just called us to experience him and have a wonderful idea of who we are and who he is, but he wants to speak to us about what it looks like to walk with him, what it looks like to continue out of that encounter in personal discipleship and corporate discipleship with Jesus. He speaks to us about what he expects and what he wants for us and what is good for us. It contains his commands. And personal encounter with Jesus also brings clarity. When we hear his words, his words cut through the noise around us. His words cut through the things that might be annoying to us or the, 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 the din of the world around us, even some of the fake news that we hear or the real news that we hear, the overwhelming nature of what we are walking through or sometimes just the narrow nature of what we're walking through where we have our family around us, we have our jobs, we kind of got our heads down and we're pushing through. When we encounter Jesus, it brings clarity. It takes us from a place of just doing what we ought to do or what we want to do. Like the disciples who are reclining at the table, eating a meal, trying to figure this out. It takes us from a place of just doing regular life to a place of doing what God has called us to. It brings us clarity. And when we encounter him on the regular, we hear him. And that's a powerful thing but it's not complete because we're supposed to pursue personal encounter, but also we need to put into practice, and that's point number two, put into practice what we hear. Philippians chapter two, verses 12 through 13 says this. Dear friends, this is Paul writing to the Philippian church. You always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God, listen, is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. See, oftentimes when we read what's written in Scripture and we read it to just understand or we read it to just know something more about God, we miss the point of what God is speaking. Every time Jesus speaks, every time the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, brings revelation to our heart, there's always something to do to live out of it. See, when we don't do that, we become more religious. We become more bound up in the rules. We become more bound up in our own 
understanding of our self-knowledge, but when we put into practice the very simple things that Jesus speaks to us, the very powerful things he speaks to us, the profound things that he speaks to us, it becomes life to us, and it becomes life to those around us. We literally take what God prophesies into our lives, and we put it into practice. It becomes the fulfillment of prophecy. It becomes the fulfillment of the words of God. It's like cooperating with him in creation. He speaks, and creation listens, but he gives us as human beings a choice. When he speaks, we get to choose to listen to obey or not and it's so important to us that we understand we are called to put into practice what jesus speaks in those personal encounters with him now here's the thing sometimes we say well i haven't had a personal encounter god hasn't revealed it to me personally but here's the thing not hearing firsthand does not excuse us Jesus, when he came to the disciples, we could look at it and say, well, why didn't Jesus just come and say, okay, guys, I know you didn't believe because you didn't have a personal uh, encounter with me. I'm here now to give you that personal encounter. Feel better about yourselves. No, Jesus comes and he appears to his disciples and he rebukes them for not believing people who had seen him in resurrected form already. And so he speaks to his disciples this word of correction. He says, listen, I want you to put into practice my words and my commission. Here's how Jesus put it. Earlier uh, in, his, in his time on earth, as he was speaking to his disciples, he gave an example. He said this, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What he's saying is this, that we have an opportunity when we hear his voice to not just hear it and be comforted by it, not just hear it and be corrected by it, not just hear it and be encouraged by it. We have an opportunity to hear his voice and to put it into practice. He says that is the rock. Sometimes we hear his voice and we don't put it into practice and our lives become unsolid. But Jesus says this, when we are willing to hear what he says and do it, to put into practice what he speaks, it becomes solidifying to our lives. When we hear his words when we hear his commission when we hear his command and if we actually do something about it it comes alive in our lives and it allows us to walk with him in a new and powerful way point number three is this and we're going to get ready to close with it that we ought to plan on the provision of god's power as much as we're supposed to expect personal encounter to to pursue personal encounter with him as much as we're called to to Uh, put into practice what he speaks to us we're also called to plan on his provision of power see there's power in the words of jesus first of all there's power in his commission look at verse 15 again with me where he says go into all the world preach the good news to everyone here's where the power comes in it's power to preach now i don't know about you but uh i'm regularly in front of people either by camera which is pretty new to me or in front of people preaching the gospel on a sunday morning or in a chapel service or anytime i'm given the opportunity i love to preach the good news of jesus christ to people but many of us feel like if you put us in front of one two three or ten twenty two hundred people we would very much feel disempowered we wouldn't know what to share we'd lose our thoughts we would feel like we can't do this You might be surprised to know that when I was in college, I took every opportunity to avoid public speaking if I could. But here's the thing. When we respond to what God has said to us, to the commission of God, there is power in the commission of God to go and preach the gospel. When we encounter him, when we hear his words, when we hear the commission that he has given us, it's a power of God to preach. Now, you might not be given a platform where you have 100 people or 10 people 
or even five people, but you are given the opportunity to go everywhere and to preach to every creature. And that might be a one-on-one, one-on-two. Maybe it starts with your family, but there is power in that commission to go out and do it. There's also a power for salvation. Listen, when we are declaring the good news of Jesus Christ, we're not just talking self-help. We are talking the power of God to bring salvation to people. To see their lives absolutely transformed as they believe and put into practice through baptism what Jesus is saying to them. Our lives are transformed. And not just transformed into a better life, but we are saved. We are brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You should plan on the provision of power for salvation for the people that God has called you to preach to. You should also plan, and we should also plan, on power for deliverance. Listen, we read the New Testament scriptures and we, we see that people were possessed by demons, that they were controlled and manipulated by demons. That did not stop and has not stopped. There are people in your lives, and you might even be watching this, where you have overwhelming thoughts that don't come from Jesus. I'm not saying you're possessed, but you might be oppressed by a demonic force, by the enemy of your soul who is coming after you to lie, to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to take lies and make them your reality through your own agreement and belief. And Jesus is saying this, whether you're possessed or you're oppressed, the commission of God has power in it to see deliverance, to see people have spirits that are evil cast off their lives, to see those who are walking in oppression, who, have, who are overwhelmed by the lies of the enemy in their lives, have the power of that lie broken over their lives. The commission of God has provision for deliverance from demonic forces that would destroy us. It has a provision for power for unknown tongues. For the people of God to declare the goodness of God and the glory of God in languages that they've never understood. It was the power that, that was being spoken of here by Jesus that would be manifest on the day of Pentecost when the people of God declared His goodness and His glory in languages that they had never learned before. But people who spoke them heard God's wonders being declared. God has given us the power and we should expect that we would be filled with the Spirit of God, that we would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, that we would be given a heavenly language with which to praise the Lord and declare His praises in a way that heaven hears, but also people who would not, we would never be able to share the gospel with who might speak another language would hear. God has given us power to do that. There's power to be free from harm. Scripture says this, both natural harm and intentional harm. That he, scripture, Jesus says, we will have the power over things that would normally harm us. If you pick up a servant that's poisonous, you would expect to be bitten and be harmed by it. Jesus says, no. That's a natural harm, something that would just, you know, in the course of our lives, the curse of the earth over uh, our lives that would bring death and harm to us. Jesus said there's power in the commission over those things. But also intentional harm. See, poison is not, you don't drink poison because you just eat something poisonous. This is something that's been concentrated and intentional to harm you. Jesus said this, even people who have intentions to harm you will not be able to touch you. There's power to walk free from the plans and purposes of others to harm you in your body and in your soul. Jesus said, we'll walk free because there's a provision of power in this commission. And there's also a power for healing. Jesus said that his disciples would be commissioned to lay hands on the sick and they would be healed and recovered. That means for you and me, we, have, we can plan on a provision of power. We can pray for the sick and expect Jesus to do what he said he would do. Expect the kingdom of God to invade people's lives and bring healing into their lives. There's also power in position. 
It says this, when the Lord Jesus, verse 19, had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. The place of power in any kingdom is at the right hand of the ruler of that kingdom. Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father right now. And it's a place of honor and it's a place of power and it's a place of access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who rules over the universe. Jesus has that position right now. But here's the great part about it. You and I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. And it says, because we are united with him and so that God can show his grace and his kindness, we have been seated with Christ. So what does that mean? We have been seated in a place of power and authority with Jesus, not on our own, not because we've earned it, not because we're special, but because Jesus has done it to show his kindness and his grace. We are seated with him and there is power and we can have an expectation of power because we are seated with Jesus who is in the position of power. You and I can trust that this power does not have to come from ourselves. We don't have to work it up. We are connected to the one who has saved us. We are connected to the one who is full of power and we can expect that his power will be displayed because there's power in obedience. As we put into practice the commission that Jesus has given us, there is power that will be displayed. Here's what it says. And the disciples went everywhere. They went everywhere by the power of God. They preached according to the commission by the power of God. And listen, here's what it says. The Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. This is where the power of God displayed in Jesus is transformed through His commission and through His power into His people. He had done it before in the Gospels where he had given them power to go out and authority over demons. But this is where he gives his disciples based on his resurrection power, his place of authority, a commission to walk in power like never before. The Lord wants to work through you. Just like he did with his disciples. The Lord worked through them. His power through his people to display his kingdom coming in power. Confirming what they said. He said, listen, this gospel is not just a gospel of words. It's a gospel of demonstration. Uh, He will confirm what we are willing to do to preach. He will bring a powerful confirmation to the powerful commission and the powerful declaration of his word with signs, many miraculous signs. Now, what are signs for? Are we meant to seek after signs? I don't think so, but here's what I do know. Signs point the way to the one or to the place that we're going. And when we pursue personal encounter with jesus when we are willing to put into practice what he has said for us to do when we expect and plan for the power of god we will see the signs that follow those who declare his word that was his promise to us and that promise happens as those signs point the way to the one See, if we're walking around declaring the goodness of God, if we're walking around praying for the sick, and we start to take that credit for ourselves, we have missed the point. The signs are to point people to Jesus. So what, how have you been pointed to Him today? I know I've been pointed as I've read this Scripture, as I've worshipped. We see the kingdom of God invade our lives in powerful ways. Through personal encounter with Jesus. I believe that even this morning, if you're watching this, you can have a personal encounter with Jesus. We're going to do that with communion this morning. We're going to take some time to go and be with Him and discover the power of what He has done for us in celebrating it together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
the Apostle Paul gives us what was passed on to him. He gives us instructions about how to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So would you grab your elements this morning and let's go to the Lord together and expect in this moment that we will have a personal and powerful encounter with the risen Lord. Paul says this, on the night that Jesus would betray the Lord himself, took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Listen, this might be the first time you've taken digital communion or uh, maybe one, the second time. It's not usual for us to do this. But Paul instructs us when we come together to do this together. And so I pray and I believe that this morning as we do this together, it will be a powerful moment of encounter for us. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was given for us. We thank you that you came from heaven. You humbled yourself and you became a man. You took on flesh and you gave your body as a sacrifice for us. That you gave it willingly. That you came to encounter people in person so that we could know fellowship with you. We thank you that by your stripes we are healed because your body was given. We can walk in the power of the crucified, risen, and alive Savior. We celebrate that this morning as we partake together, as we eat this bread together. Paul goes on to say this in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you can. Jesus, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for this juice that represents your blood that was shed for us to bring us into covenant, a new and better covenant, an agreement not confirmed by our own obedience, but confirmed by your blood. We thank you that you did what was necessary to encounter us so that we could be set free, we could be delivered, we could be brought into the kingdom, and we could become those who not only are brought in, but live in and declare your kingdom as well. We remember your blood that made a way for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. What a privilege it is to gather together, even digitally. What a joy it is to know that there are people all around the, the, the area today, all around our state, all around the country, and even some around the world who are together with us celebrating the presence of God in our lives. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you're hearing this message for the very first time. This encounter with Jesus thing is all brand new. Listen, I want you to invite the Lord to be the Lord of your life. I want you to believe in the risen Christ. I want to encourage you to take a step of faith today and say, God, I receive your free gift of salvation. I believe that you died and rose again on my behalf and that you are seated at the right hand of the Father and that you are calling me into encounter and relationship with you. And in that moment, God said, you, whoever is, believes and is baptized will be saved. You are saved. You are walking with God and you have been set up for personal encounter in an ongoing way. If you are, are making that decision this morning to follow Jesus for the first time, I want to encourage you right now. Would you just comment on this feed, made a decision for Christ? We want to contact you. We want to encourage you. We want to know that God is working in your life. We want to know 
uh, we want you to know that you have a church family that will walk with you and help you walk in that discipleship because of the deliverance that God has brought into your life. But I also want to pray for everybody that's on this line right now. If you need personal prayer, please comment prayer, please. Even as this video is running for the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to have some slides going and a closing. Just comment prayer, please. We'll have one of our prayer partners contact you if we can and personally pray with you so that the kingdom of God would invade your life. But I want to pray that God would bring his presence to every person's life this morning. God, we thank you that you are the God of personal encounter. Lord, that we can hear your voice in that encounter and we can put into practice what you've called us to do. We thank you for that commission of power that you have given us and we plan on seeing your power in our lives. So God, I pray that every person that's hearing my voice today would not hear my voice but would hear yours. And in hearing your voice, we would, wa- we would be encouraged to walk in and to step into the power of God. Your power displayed through your people confirming your words through your people that your kingdom might be built. God, we pray that your kingdom will come and your will would be done on earth through your people as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a blessing to be with you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. God bless you.